I have to get everything turned on this morning. Let's see. I think that worked. Yes, it did. Well, as has already been expressed by uh, Bobby making announcements and then in our, our prayer, today is, of course, Mother's Day. And we're so glad that you're here. We're thankful for uh, all of those mothers who are here in attendance. And uh, as was said, each of us has a mother. So we can all relate to this in one way or another. And we all uh, appreciate you and honor you and want to express that together this morning. I read a story that, this is an old story, and some of you may have heard this, but I read a story about a man who came home from work one afternoon, and he pulled up in the driveway, and he was surprised to find that all three of his children were out there in the front yard. They were all still in their pajamas, and were rolling around in the mud. He pulled into the driveway, and there were toys scattered all over the front lawn, all through the driveway. His wife's car door was wide open. The front door of the house was wide open. He was obviously somewhat alarmed by that. So he walked in to try to figure out what was going on. Well, in the living room, there was a lamp knocked over in the corner. The TV was on full blast, blaring cartoons. There were toys and, and piles of clothes just all over the living room floor. He went into the kitchen. And there were dirty dishes in the sink. There was breakfast food all over the counter. Cereal spilled and milk and orange juice. The refrigerator door was wide open. Uh, the dog's food was scattered there across the kitchen floor. And now he was starting to become really concerned. He began frantically searching for his wife. He ran up the stairs, you know, dodging the veritable minefield there of toys and clothes. And he rushed up into their bedroom and there she was, on the bed, curled up, reading a book, in her pajamas, like nothing was wrong. Here he is thinking that the worst might have happened to her, and she just smiled at him and asked him how his day was. And he said, bewildered, what happened here today? And she smiled sweetly, and she said, well, you know, when you come home every afternoon and ask what in the world I do all day? Well, today I didn't do it. I want us to note several passages of Scripture this morning, all of them from the pen of the wise man in Proverbs. And they all come actually from Proverbs chapter 23. The first one is in Proverbs chapter 23, beginning in verse number 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Now let's notice verse number 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she's old. And now verse 25. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Today is Mother's Day. And Mother's Day sermons traditionally are filled with warm and happy illustrations, and everyone goes home uh, feeling good about themselves and about their families. 
And that has its place. There's nothing wrong with that. I preached sermons like that before. But maybe not everyone goes home feeling good after sermons like that. Mother's Day can be a bittersweet occasion for a lot of people. It's not necessarily a happy day for everyone. And I think, as people who are called to bear one another's burdens, as people who are called to weep with those who weep, it is vitally important that we be conscious of that. There's an article by a blogger named Amy Young. She wrote this five or six years ago, and it's made the rounds on Facebook a few times. I've seen it more than once at this time of year, and and I want to quote to it from you. I, I think the sentiment is worth us noting. A few years ago, I set across from a woman who told me she doesn't go to church on Mother's Day because it's too hurtful. I'm not a mother, but I'd never seen the day as hurtful. She had been married, had numerous miscarriages, divorced, and was now beyond childbearing years. It was like salt in mostly healed wounds to go to church on that day. This made me sad, but I understood. Fast forward several years to Mother's Day. A preacher asked all mothers to send. On my immediate right, my mother stood. And on my immediate left, a dear friend stood. I, a woman in her late 30s, sat. I don't know how others saw me, but I felt dehumanized gutted as a woman. Real women stood, empty shells sat. I don't normally feel this way. I don't like feeling this way. I want no woman to ever feel this way in church again. Maybe this morning you're a woman without children for whatever reason. Maybe that was your choice. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you wanted them and you haven't had them. Maybe you're beyond the point where it's ever a possibility that you'll have them. And this day is painful for you. But there are other people that Mother's Day is not necessarily a happy day for. Maybe today is tinged with sadness for you because you're far away from your mother. Or maybe you're a mother who's far away from your children. You'd like to be able to see each other face to face and to express those feelings of love in person to each other, but it's, it's just not possible, not the way it used to be. I read a story about three women who were all boarding the same plane to go and visit their respective children for Mother's Day. And they were all in their 70s at this point. And as they talked together and waited on the plane, they began to realize that they had a good deal in common. They reminisced about days gone by, about those happy occasions growing up. They talked about Mother's Days in the past and when all the family would come to their house and they'd celebrate it together. But now they were all widows. The kids were just too busy. It was much more convenient for them to go and to visit them. 
And as they talked about those days in the past and realized that things weren't like they used to be and could never be like they used to be again, there's a note of sadness detected there in their voices because Mother's Days just weren't what they used to be. Maybe you're here this morning and your mother is getting old and she's getting increasingly infirm and you worry about that. Her eyesight's not nearly as sharp as it used to be. Or she's becoming unsteady when she walks. You worry that maybe she's going to hurt herself. Her hearing isn't nearly as keen as it used to be and sometimes you have to repeat yourself three or four times and maybe even against your will you find yourself resenting her a little bit because of that. Some of you have probably already gone through this experience. These days are even behind you and and thank God I haven't come to that point in my life yet. I can't imagine how difficult it must be to face the realization that your mother or your father needs care that you're just inadequate to provide them at this point in their life. You have to commit them to somebody else. Maybe you're in this audience this morning and your mother has already passed on. And you'd give anything to be able to pick up the phone and and call her or to visit with her, to ask her advice. Maybe that's happened so recently to you that that's still very fresh on your heart. Or maybe it's something that years have passed and most of the time you've moved on forward, but at this time of year it always brings up that grief back again, reopens those old scars. Or maybe... And this could go for anyone here today, regardless of your stage in life. Maybe Mother's Day is tinged with sadness for you because of broken relationships. You have children, but you don't know where they are. You don't know what they're doing. You thought you had a good family. You thought you'd done right in raising them, but at some point along the way it became broken. It became fractured. You don't know what to do. Or maybe you're on the other end of that relationship. Maybe you're the child. And at some point, there was some dysfunction, there's some hostility, and you're estranged from your parents, from your mother, from your father. These sorts of dynamics are nothing new, of course. But I think they may be more common than ever in our contemporary society and culture. I read an article two or three years ago now on CNN.com. It's entitled, The Marriage Apocalypse is Coming. And the upshot of this article is that millennials no longer view having children or even marriage itself as a priority. And I want to read you just a couple of excerpts, quotes from young people in that article. One young lady put it this way. I'd have a very hard time justifying spending $20,000 on a wedding when I could go to Europe. Another said, right now I'm 21 years old, I'm thousands of dollars in debt, and it's really hard to plan a wedding or even thinking about something like that when you owe so much money, you don't have a job, you don't have a home. Or here's the one that's most pointed for our topic. 
I didn't go to college for four years to be a mom. There's no housewife degree. I've worked my tail off for four years to get this degree. You want to use it. You want to be successful. You want to have that happy part of your life as well. Now, I'm not saying that uh, women should all be barefoot and chained to the stove. <laughs> I think that it's a, a wonderful thing when people are, are well-educated, when people can pursue their own interest, whatever they are. I think that's tremendous, and I think that's biblical. And I know, too, some people, for whatever reason, are just not naturally inclined to have children or even to be married. And that's okay, too. I have a good friend who wrote a book about that, a Bible study book some years ago, because those who are single adult Christians are a part of the church that just aren't ministered to that well. And you're in good company. With the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus, it's all right. And I don't want to just lay all the ills of society at the feet of millennials because that's just lazy. For one thing, I am a millennial, technically. <laughs> and for another thing, that just comes off like grousing about young people. Well, they're all that's wrong with the world. And that's what happens in every generation over and over again, right? But I hope what you do see in all of those quotes, the problem with all of them that they have in common, and I think the root cause of a lot of our brokenness in families. It's narcissism. And that is a tremendous problem. Our culture is increasingly self-absorbed, self-centered, self-indulgent. And that's not something that's limited to the younger generations. That's common across all generations. And it's been happening for decades. And if young people have a dim view of marriage and a family life, a big part of that is because statistically, their parents, more likely than not, have been married three, four, five times. And so they've made a complete mockery of the institution of marriage. And the root cause of that, too, ultimately, is self-centeredness. It's narcissism. And so a lot of homes have become battlefields where no one really knows what the rules, the guidelines, the principles are anymore. Where should we go? Where should we turn to for answers? A lot of people are not even sure it's possible to find real answers to our problems or solutions to the questions that we ask. And consequently, a lot of people have even stopped asking some of those questions. But I believe this morning, that just like everything else in life, the solutions to this can be found in God's Word. And there's probably a lot of principles we could look at, but I just want us to consider two principles that emerge from Scripture this morning, both of them from Ephesians chapter 4. This comes out of a broader discussion. Paul's talking about the new life that we're to live in Christ and principles that are to guide that life. And we can sum up the principles that we want to look at today in just two words. The first one is attitude, and the second one is action. So first of all, attitude. A familiar passage to a lot of us, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Paul encourages, encourages his audience, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. I think healing could come into our homes if we would all take this attitude 
of speaking the truth in love. We might, for example, begin by acknowledging that our parents weren't perfect. We might have expected them to be, but they weren't. They let us down at different points. They disappointed us. Maybe they made some mistakes in raising us. And I don't have any children, so I guess I can get away with saying this this morning. If you're honest, if you're realistic, you'll admit that your children aren't perfect either. Some of you may think they are, especially when they're younger. But I'm here to tell you that just because, you know, little Johnny hit a home run, that doesn't mean he's going to play Major League Baseball. That art project is really not that impressive. It's just macaroni glued on construction paper, all right? And they ate as much of the glue as they used on the macaroni. It's not that big a deal. And maybe we become more conscious of that as our children get older and we recognize that they do make some mistakes as they go along. I think about the son who called his mother, asked her how she was doing. And she said, well, I'm, I'm not too well, feeling pretty weak lately. He was concerned. What's wrong, Mom? Why are you weak? Well, I haven't eaten anything for 23 days. 23 days? Have you been to the doctor? What's the problem? Why haven't you eaten for so long? She said, oh, I know why I haven't eaten for 23 days. I don't need to go to the doctor. I didn't want my mouth to be full in case my son should call me. You see, now comes the hardest part of all. We could admit, maybe, that our parents weren't perfect. Maybe if you had children, you could admit that they're not perfect. But you know what? We're not perfect either. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I've made some mistakes in my relationship with my parents. If God ever blesses us with children, I'll undoubtedly make some mistakes in raising them too. I haven't been a perfect child. I'm not going to be a perfect parent. And all of those of you who are parents, you can acknowledge that too. We need to recognize that truth. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's hard to be truthful, to be honest with ourselves like that. But the truth can also bring healing into our lives. It can help to heal all of those old wounds, those scars. If they're hurts, we should talk about them. And we should talk about them in a loving way, as Paul says. But we need to try to deal with them, whatever they are, our brokenness, as a loving and caring family. We have to be honest with each other in that attitude of love. Second big principle has to do with action. That's the key word. And I want us to go to the end of Ephesians chapter 4. Listen here. Paul talks about the actions that should be a part of the life of every Christian. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see there? What should we do? Three actions mentioned in that verse. First of all, be kind. Be kind to each other. The truth can hurt. We already said that. That's why we have to speak the truth in love. But when it's spoken in kindness, we can begin to help rather than hurt. We can begin to to heal rather than wound. 
Second, Paul says, be tender-hearted. In particular, I think it's helpful to see the way the NIV translates that. I believe that's what was read from a few minutes ago this morning. It says, be compassionate to one another. Be compassionate. That's the key idea here. Compassion means that I seek to understand you. I try to understand your point of view and see where you're coming from. As the old saying goes, I try to walk a mile in your shoes. Revolutionary things can happen in our homes and in our families when we try to do this. What would it be like if parents tried to remember what it was like to be a teenager? It wasn't that long ago. And tried to put yourself in the place of your teenage daughter or son and realize the pressure that they're under to, to fit in, to go along with everybody else, to, to be just like everyone else. And wouldn't it be wonderful if teenagers could somehow understand what it's like to be parents? I know that's not fully possible. As a teenager, I couldn't even imagine what it was like to be 30-plus years old, let alone to actually have a family, since I, I don't yet. But wouldn't it be wonderful if they would just try to do that? At least think of things from your parents' point of view. Try to see their perspective on things. And what about for all of us? Wouldn't it be beneficial if we could somehow climb into the skin of our aging parents and experience what it's like to have a body that doesn't do the things it used to do, that can't see like it used to, that can't pick up the things that it used to, all of these things you, you take for granted, the frustration that they must be feeling with that. If only we could all learn what it means to be compassionate. Finally, Paul says in this verse, to forgive each other. You're kind, you're compassionate, and now forgive one another. Forgive those things that have caused rifts in the family, the, the strain and the stress, whatever they were. Forgive so that those wounds can be healed, so that there can be a, a new beginning, a fresh start. And when you forgive, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'll, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. No. No, Paul says here, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God in Christ forgives us fully, completely, totally, unconditionally. God doesn't say, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. God wipes the slate completely clean. It's as if it never happened. As far as the east is from the west, so far you've put my sin from me, as the psalmist said. That's infinite. Or as the prophet Micah says, you've cast our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Down deep they're going to be crushed. They no longer exist. That's how far away they are. Forgive like that. Like, thank God, he forgives us fully, freely, completely. Forget about it. It's as if it never happened. This morning you might be here and, and maybe you're a mother blessed with a beautiful home and with happy and healthy children and a husband who loves you and you ought to thank God for that. You're truly blessed indeed. And you ought to celebrate that and we celebrate you and we honor you today. 
But I think it's important for us to recognize that not everyone fits that mold. There are a lot of broken molds, fractured in a variety of different ways. And if you're one of those broken molds, I think it's important for you to know and to never forget that God hasn't forgotten you. And he wants to bring his healing and his peace and his joy into your life, whatever your state may be. So this morning, remember that true healing, whatever our disease in particular may be, is found only in God through Christ. Have you come to Him? Are you part of His family? Have you availed yourself of that forgiveness that He offers so fully and freely through Christ? If not, I want to encourage you to do that this morning by putting your trust in Jesus by turning to Him in repentance and being buried with Him in the waters of baptism, have your sins washed away, be added to that ideal family with God as your Father, with Christ as your older brother, with all of these people gathered here today as your brothers and sisters. Maybe you're here this morning and you already are a Christian. You're part of that family of God, but your relationship with your Heavenly Father has become a little bit dysfunctional. You need to make some changes this morning to be back in a right state with Him. Whatever your need may be, if we can help you today in any way, I want to encourage you to take the opportunity to make it known now while we stand and while we sing.